Domestic abuse, school shootings, mass killings, ethno-political conflict, genocide, terrorism and war. Peace psychology is the study of the mental processes that lead to conflict and how that knowledge can be used in a positive way. In this series, Peace in Mind, we'll be exploring the breadth of peace and conflict psychology. So conflict and peace are, yeah, definitely not to be associated with badness and goodness, evil and good. <laughs> I'm Kim Stewart. And I'm Linda Rose. We're your hosts for this series. Peace in Mind is produced in the studios of 4EB Brisbane with the help of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and Psychologists for Peace, an interest group of the Australian Psychological Society. My name's Mark Brandon Chopper-Reed. A lot of people think I'm a tough guy. I'm not a tough guy, but I've broken a lot of men that thought they were tough guys. The lowest thing in jail is a woman basher and a rapist. If you bashed a woman, well, you're a weak, gutless individual. If you come to jail and bash a woman or raping a woman, you will get dealt with. You will suffer. We will break your neck, you low, gutless, weak mice. Be afraid, because if you come to jail, you're going to have every bloody reason to be afraid. <laughs> Conflict occurs in all relationships. However, it shouldn't lead to violence. Unfortunately, more than 33% of women in Australia are affected by domestic violence. During this episode of Peace in Mind, we look at interpersonal conflict in close relationships and how to better address it. Our interview is with Dr. Ingrid Sturmey. And I had to actually learn that appealing to the best in the other person and trying to just argue logically for why this wasn't a good thing, etc., actually did not work. And I needed to find other ways of having a bottom line and going, no, I'm sorry, this is actually not okay. So as a withdrawing person who hates conflict, I actually had to learn not just to avoid and step round conflict, but I had to learn how to confront it. And I have to tell you, that was the hardest thing I ever learnt to do, because I felt scared. We asked Ingrid what she recommends to help people resolve their differences in a relationship so that everybody's needs are met. The thing to understand about conflict in relationships is that it's not about what you fight about, it's how you fight. And of course, some people fight in acceptable ways, or they argue or disagree in ways which don't actually destroy the relationship, and everybody has to do that. So there are ways of fighting and arguing and disagreeing which are actually sort of good enough as long as you keep the positive part of the relationship going. It's just the way life is. But then there are other ways of arguing and fighting about things that are actually quite destructive to a relationship but you don't realize it until it pans out over time because it's a little bit like climate change or anything else the effects of it gather over time and then of course you've got the very extreme forms of conflict where there is violence where there's psychological abuse where one person is actually not allowed to have their voice without being punished or silenced in some way and that of course is extremely worrying. So um, I guess starting with the most basic and, and say you've got a respectful relationship where people are um, being nice to each other more often than they're being nasty, yeah. 
and yet that these kind of people will still have arguments where they might shout at each other. Um, what is the best practice that they could do to uh, resolve their arguments without bitterness? Okay, now let me let me just say two things about this. Um, there, you know, when couples come into a place like Relationships Australia, and we're specialists in working with relationship distress. Um, Sometimes very nice people actually don't conflict at all and that is a real problem too. In fact what they do is they avoid conflict. So what happens is year after year the um, resentments and the sense of um, maybe not being able to really have your say and be considered in this relationship tends to build up. Now that actually can be highly destructive of a relationship too. So it is important to get issues of, of our differences that we have out on the table. So um, the best way for those people who have a, you know, a constructive, on the whole a constructive relationship and they, they're affectionate and they, you know, they have respect for each other etc. is to make sure that they complain rather than criticise each other's character. That um, rather than just defending themselves and saying no no you're wrong or there was a reason why I did that etc um, that they also try and take responsibility for maybe the grain of truth that might be there so that their partner feels that they're not their complaint is not dismissed like they haven't got a right to their complaint and um, people who've got good relationships the big thing is that they're never really contemptuous or demeaning of each other. They don't, they don't sarcastically put each other down, they don't abuse each other, they don't call each other horrible things, etc. because that really hurts. You know, when we're in intimate relationships, we don't expect to be cut down and deeply wounded by the person who supposedly loves us and respects us. It really goes quite deep and we can do a lot of damage. John Gottman, who's one of the world's best researchers on relationships, said that contempt, dismissiveness, that sort of sneering sarcasm and put-downs is like sulfuric acid to a relationship. Unfortunately, our culture, often in movies, people do that. They swear at each other and they say sarcastic things, etc. And we're expected to be resilient to these sort of things and that that's sort of the way it is. But actually, it does destroy relationships. And then the final one is, relationships are destroyed if we close down and ignore our partner and what we call stonewall because that means, again, our partner has no way of getting through to us and they feel like they haven't got a right to their complaints. And not only that, they feel like the other person has broken the connection. They don't feel as if they're important enough to listen to. People need to avoid those things and then it's actually okay and we need to conflict so as to work out issues. You're listening to Peace in Mind on 4EB, 4ZZZ and the Community Radio Network. We are discussing interpersonal conflict and how best to deal with it with Dr Ingrid Sturmey from Relationships Australia.
Now, there's another very important thing here too. You know, we often feel, even us psychologists feel, that you should be able to sort issues out. But actually, the research shows that even the best relationships argue continually about the same things. In fact, Gottman said that probably 65-70% of our arguments are about perpetual, unresolvable differences that we have. Like one person is always running late because they're doing 50 million things right up to the end and they're chaotic but they just love you know being spontaneous etc and they don't think to tidy up and to plan hours in advance and the other person can't bear living like that now these are personality differences and all relationships need to be able to somehow dialogue and accept some of those differences even if it drives them nuts. Somehow we have this belief that we have to solve these things but actually those people who are very very good at relating learn how to dialogue around those things but to also accept that it's part of the package. Um, we often talk about you know if you've got a crooked knee you don't go right I'm, you know, I'm not going to live unless I get my knee fixed up. We just learn to compensate for our crook knee. We learn what we can and can't do and we learn to live with it in the best ways we can. And there is a sense in which those people who are superb at relationships do that with each other. And then all of us feel like we're not on the rack all the time, that we've got to change and be perfect. So are you saying that, that um, a good relationship requires a lot of uh, compromising, glossing over, ignoring the things you can't change and um, perhaps just rose-coloured glasses? Yeah, it is a bit of rose-coloured glasses, but it's not glossing or ignoring those things. You might still, for the next 30 years, you might complain, I wish you were more organised. It's really driving me nuts but you find a way of in a sense humorously talking about it or having a little spat and going I'm going to go to the airport anyway and you can take the second car whatever you do because it drives me nuts so you find little ways of always going please change but you don't break up the relationship over it and you don't escalate the conflict to make it so big that a lot of damage gets caused A Perth woman stabbed more than a dozen times by her husband is living in fear of another attack. Biliana Namoski says she's speaking out for tougher penalties for domestic violence. Sherry Robinson was stabbed 25 times in front of one of her three sons. Her killer didn't want his former partner to take their young son overseas. The murder of Sergeant Ragi is just one of about 70 domestic homicides around the country every year and 30% of all murders stem from domestic violence. My old man, he was always an aggressive type person. Um, he didn't really know how to communicate that much. He done most of his communicating with his fists. Because you're so young and you're seeing it, you know, there's not much you can do as a, as a five to 10 year old kid as you, you're seeing it growing up. But I guess um, helpless would probably be the key word. Natalie had already two kids. Um, she was a single mother and she'd met a gentleman um, at that time 
um, whom, whom we didn't know but turned out to be somewhat of a perpetrator himself and had done time for, for other bouts of violence. Um, but when we met him, she'd only met him for about three months and um, at the end of that three months, when she went to call it off, um, he wouldn't have a part of it and therefore, um, I guess, was of the frame of mind, if I can't have you, no one can. And uh, that's when it uh, first happened. Natalie was found um, within an inch of her life. Natalie can't talk, walk or um, even eat herself. She gets fed through the stomach. She's got to have full-time care all the time. listening to Jay Little from the New South Wales Department of Communities DVD Change Your Waves. Australian men speak about domestic violence, featuring NRL players. The DVDs are available free to community groups and have been distributed to rugby league football clubs nationwide. On Peace in Mind we are discussing interpersonal conflict and how best to deal with it. We are speaking with Dr Ingrid Sturmey from Relationships Australia. What does Ingrid suggest can be done in situations where rational discussion is not possible due to both partners' violent tendencies? Okay, it is really important that people have an idea that it's actually not okay to be violent and it's also not okay to be psychologically abusive, like all gloves off and do really, really mean things to each other so as to intimidate or get the other one to back off or punish the other one so that they become fearful. It is, um, if that starts happening, the person to whom this is done needs to start seeking professional help. Um, it's, though the person who knows that they're starting to do this needs to look at themselves and go, can I stop this? Because if I believe I can't, what we call down-regulate, but if I can't, catch myself early enough so that I don't lose it and do that sort of thing, then I have to take responsibility for um, working with a professional so that I really regulate myself. And there are very clear ways to do that. I think everybody, when you think about it, all of us want to be loved, not because we're being feared, but because our partner really loves us. But if we know that um, our need to have control and to be right is actually so great that we just we think we can't be in control of ourselves, which we can actually, we, we need to take it very seriously and do something about it. One, because it's illegal to be violent, and secondly, because uh, particularly if you've got children, the children actually start to suffer from the tension and the fear around this even you know it can be communicated in non-verbal ways and it is not respectful it is absolutely not okay in our partnership and uh, like you're saying the children are observing these bad conflicts is there any evidence for intergenerational uh, continuance of this behavior there is there's there's evidence both that children start to um, become tense and either become fearful or aggressive some children, particularly males, 
take after, for example, if their father is violent, partly because they need to side with the more aggressive person so that they keep themselves safe, but they learn aggressive behaviour. But little children can also learn to be quite fearful. And the thing is that they, they then become anxious, their attachments become disturbed, they don't learn very well, they, there's a whole lot of symptoms that they develop which suggest that they just don't do very well in school and in growing up and being confident grown-ups. So they're very good reasons to learn how to resolve your conflicts non-violently, aren't they? Is, is that uh, the most common pattern you see in Australian couples? The, um, the man is the violent one and the, the woman is the uh, drawer, I guess. Is that a common thing that happens? Well, it, it's interesting. There's a lot of debate about this at the moment. What we do know for certain is that men cause a lot more damage than women do when they're violent. It's mainly men who kill their female partners rather than the other way around. Women tend only to kill their male partners after years of absolutely extreme violence unless they have a severe mental health problem, whereas men will kill their partners for leaving them and for all sorts of other reasons and kill their children as we know. One of the worrying trends is that we do see young women becoming more aggressive as they fight back. But unfortunately that it puts them at even greater risk because it escalates the violence. And because men often are physically stronger, but secondly have this whole male thing of I can't be beaten by a woman, then women becoming aggressive actually can make the aggression and the violence more severe because men then go to that extra length and women can be severely beaten up over that. Now that's not to say that there aren't times when women are actually the more aggressive and dominant and then it can be very humiliating for a man to actually seek help and to admit it. It is just the most awful area to deal with and often the people involved don't feel good about it too so that's where it's so important to seek professional help. Yeah on the seeking of help often uh, victims of abuse of either gender are reluctant to leave their partners in those situations. Is that out of fear or do they have a genuine love for that partner? Sometimes it's out of fear yes it gets to the point where it can be out of fear but it's it often doesn't start that way and, and often it is also because women in particular tend to believe that there is a good part of their partner and they want to hold on to that. They believe that's their own fault and they start to try and change their behaviour so as to get the best of their partner responding to them. Unfortunately, they don't realise that it's not necessarily their fault. The man must take responsibility for his own actions. Even if you have been, even if you've been um, nasty towards him, it does not mean that he has to beat you up. However, women often then get into a cycle of what we call the honeymoon cycle around violence, where often what happens is that there is a violent incident. The man afterwards apologises, he feels bad about it, he wants to make up, he's wonderful, 
and that's the side of him that the woman really loves and then it starts to deteriorate again and the cycle keeps on going. Now it's often the good side of the person which keeps them in the relationship and the woman is always hoping that maybe this time it will be different. Unfortunately they, they then of course over the years invest more and more in the relationship and for other reasons like not wanting to be poor and a single mother etc etc they don't necessarily leave so it's very very complex and uh, it's very hard to admit that this person who you're close to may actually be dangerous for you and your children um, it's something very hard to come to terms with where you where you're actually saying I have to do something about this um, instead you plead and ask him to do something about it uh, and so the journey towards knowing that maybe you have to do something about it is sometimes a hard one. You're listening to Peace in Mind on 4EB, 4ZZZ and the Community Radio Network. Our music today comes from an artist called Fishhead. So what sort of recommendations do you make to your clients in that sort of situation in a violent relationship? We work with them about um, do they really want to be like this? Are they prepared to face the fact that this is not okay and what it will do to both them and to their children and to their partners? We help them to maybe look back at whether they were brought up like this and whether they've wanted to be like this themselves. And we often find that people go, I've never wanted to be like this. And, we, and, and therefore, um, do you have enough motivation to really tackle this? So we appeal to their sense of their own dignity, helping them to come to terms with if it's with men, how they feel about women, maybe their sense of entitlement, which they may have been taught with through their culture. If not that, at least their sense of never having been taught how to pull themselves into line where they've tended to use the sense of letting go and being angry and furious and said, I can't help it. No, that's not true. 
and we confront them with that. Often they act as though the anger has life of its own. So you're saying that that's not true? No, it's not true. Um, it, it gets to the point where maybe, of course, one is so aroused and maybe taken over that one doesn't know what to do with it at that point. But we say that still doesn't justify it. One, you need to learn how it builds up and to recognise the signs of build up so that you can do something about it early. And then secondly, when the tripwire is tripped and you go into rage, to know exactly what to do with yourself then. I mean, people, if they go into rage about something or other, but they know that they're going to suffer greatly, they manage to pull that rage back or to get out of the situation and therefore we must learn to do that for ourselves too. We must learn to put ourselves somewhere where we won't create harm. Separation is the most dangerous time for women experiencing violence. If you're experiencing violence, control or emotional abuse, you can get help to leave. Many women feel ashamed of being in an abusive relationship. But a partner's violent behaviour is not your fault. It takes a lot of courage to break the silence. Choosing to speak up about your experiences is a big step. You can provide your children with a positive role model by taking action to live without violence. By having the courage to leave a violent relationship, you show your children that they need not put up with violence or abuse. They have a right to be safe. You are deserving of respect and will not tolerate being disrespected by others. Call 1-800-RESPECT, the National Sexual Assault Domestic Family Violence Counseling Service to get advice. If anger is a problem for you, you can get help. The Australian Psychological Society's advice on managing anger says, some people used to believe that venting anger was beneficial. Researchers have now found that letting it rip actually escalates anger and aggression and does nothing to resolve the situation. On the other hand, sitting on your anger and not expressing it may lead to the pressure cooker experience that many people are familiar with. Expressing some feelings of anger in a controlled way rather than bottling it up gives you an opportunity to release some of your underlying feelings so that you can start to tackle the issues that are making you angry. Unmanaged anger creates problems, sometimes for you and often for others around you. Another program that is gaining ground in Australia is the Alternatives to Violence project used in prisons, schools and communities to teach people how to manage themselves and others in conflict situations. We look at the Alternatives to Violence project during the next episode of Peace in Mind. That's it for this edition of Peace in Mind. Thanks for listening. Peace in Mind is produced for the Community Radio Network with the help of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and Psychologists for Peace, an interest group of the Australian Psychological Society. Theme and background music by Jandy Rainbow, unisonicascension.com. Series producers Kim Stewart, Linda Rose and Nathan Renault. You can find out more about the topics we cover by going to facebook.com slash peaceinmindproject.